Right, we're going take two here. Are we ready for take two? I'm actually recording now. We are so if I, ready. If, I'm ready. if I need to cough or something like that, what's like? I'll just it, cough. It's just, it doesn't. Can you edit it out, or is it? Just yeah, yeah, I can edit it out. Can you? Yeah, of course. <laughs> it doesn't seem like he's telling the truth. No, but I'll, I'm I'm recording right now, and I'm not I'm not editing this part out. This is gold. <laughs> I don't need you to tell me how fucking good my coffee is. Okay, I'm the one who buys it. Would you like to come upstairs for some coffee? This year, Anthony Douglas was uh, earned the title of World Brewster Champion here on home soil in Melbourne, Australia, where this very podcast has been recorded. Anthony's victory is not by fluke, luck, or favoritism. Anthony, who I've known for seven years now, has been working tirelessly towards becoming the World Brewster Champion and has been grinding in the Australian competition scene, something all that have competed against him can confirm. Anthony's victory has not come easy, as is the case with most World Brewster champions. Today I'm joined by Anthony and the two people who, without their help, Anthony may not have become the World Brewster champion. They are Axel's head roaster, Matthew Crowley, and Anthony's competition-winning coach, Jack Simpson. Anthony's story has many turns. This man overcame being at the cusp of victory to play second or third in the Australian Brewster Championship many times. As much as I've enjoyed watching Anthony earn his place to become the World Brewster Champion, I'm probably more delighted to see his evolution as a person. Anthony, Matt and Jack, welcome to the Sub-Zero Coffee Podcast. Thanks for having us, mate. Yeah, thanks, Kirk. Pleasure to be here. And if you didn't pick up on that first little bit, I, we, we were going for about 10 minutes there, and then I realised I hadn't pressed the record button. So, you know, there's a bit of rust here. We're on the wines. Uh, and, good uh, practice. Yeah, good practice. So this is take two. But um, without further ado, let's get started, stuck straight into it. Anthony, you're the World Brewster Champion. How's it feel? It feels amazing. Yeah? <laughs> <laughs> what can I say? Yeah. Um, yeah, it feels great. You know, it's something we've all worked towards for um, a number of years now, and for it to finally happen... I think we're all just pretty over the moon and excited by um, all the opportunities to come. And Jack and Matt, what, uh, what, what, what's your emotions like? You know, you, you've, you've had a huge part in all of this. What, how, how do you feel about it all? Oh, I mean, we're super excited for Anthony. Like, uh, we've been working with him for and competing against him for a, oh, a long yeah, time. Uh, yep. uh, I've, even, I've, I've had a crack at that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's yeah. tough going. Been put in my place many yeah. times. Yep. But uh, obviously, yeah, we're, we're super excited and... Yeah, just a big buzz going around Axel at the moment. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we obviously have a lot of love for the competition and a lot of enjoyment comes out of it. So getting the top prize is amazing. But it's just, I don't know, it brought us together closer as a team and we've had a lot of fun throughout yep. it. So, uh, yeah, it's just really exciting to be here. I've got to say, I had a, we, uh, Sub-Zero, had a coffee pop-up, uh, Sub-Zero coffee pop-up uh, the day after the World Bristol Championship was decided at an Axel venue in the city, one of 18 I've just learned. So you've got 18 venues. And... Um, Excuse me. Uh, when Anthony walked in, he received a standing ovation. So, you, poor guy, you're probably <coughs> excuse me. Here, I'm going with the cough. You're probably just you're probably just wanting that wanting a coffee the day after. Um, you're not much of a partier, as I take it. Um, no. Uh, and 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 so so you walked in really probably like early. You were there what nine nine thirty. Pretty early around yeah. nine o'clock. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so yeah. venue was full, um, and you received a standing ovation. That must have been pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. It was awesome. You know. Mm. Um, yeah, just an incredible feeling, you know. It's and, still pretty surreal. And I, I've got to say, you were very swamped 
after the announcement. So everyone just wanting a selfie with the World Bristol Champion, oh, yeah. you know. Yeah. And uh, and I'm, <laughs> I'm just thinking, oh, geez, this poor guy, you know. What if he needs to go to the bathroom? What if he needs to, you know. But, uh, yeah, you handled it real well and uh, with grace. And once again, congratulations, Anthony. Thanks, mate. Really appreciate that. But I'm going to start this coffee podcast off the same way I start them all off. And then by getting to know how you all got into coffee, I'm going to start with World Brewster champion Anthony Douglas first. Yeah, so um, when I was younger, I used to live in Sydney mm-hmm. um, for two years, and I was 19 at the time, or mm-hmm. 17, from ages 17 to 19, I was in Sydney, and towards the tail end of that time, I was working in a Spanish restaurant in North Sydney, and in the restaurant, they had a coffee machine behind the deli, so whenever I did shifts behind the deli, I would make the occasional coffee, it really wasn't much, about four or five coffees a night, and I just fell in love with the process of making coffee. You know, as I mentioned earlier, I, I didn't know how to make coffee at the time. I could go through the motions, but I didn't didn't really understand the variables. Were you able to make like what I call now the Mount Isa cappuccino, where it was just like the the foam on top and mate, that was my specialty. <laughs> <laughs> Every now and then, I take it back myself. But sorry, yeah. continue. <laughs> um, yeah, that's about all I could do when it came to coffee. Um, so yeah, I I did that for a while. I missed my friends and family, so I came back home to Melbourne. And I just wanted to make coffee. I don't know what it was that drew me to it so much, but I just I really enjoyed the process. How old are you now? I am thirty one now. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I looked for um, some jobs in coffee, and I, I mentioned earlier as well. It's it's it was so difficult at the time to find a good coffee job. You know, everyone mm. expected experience. It definitely wasn't as open as as it is now. Mm. You know. So yeah, I worked my way through a few different cafes, um, and well, they weren't even cafes. You know, they'd be like like a food like a takeaway food shop that happened to have a coffee machine. Yep. You know, just to get some experience on my resume mm-hmm. uh, before finally getting a job at Axel. And so when you got the job at Axel, uh, was it the Hawthorne store? That was the, the first one? It was, yeah. That was the only one we had at that point. Yeah. And what year was that? That was 2013. Okay. Yeah. Right. And so obviously you worked yourself out. How many years after being at Axel did you start doing competitions? It was my second year at Axel. So when... My first year there, we had six people competing and I didn't have the courage to do it at that point and mm. I kicked myself later on, so I gave it a crack the next year. And something I highlighted in take one before we realised that we weren't recording uh, is that actually yourself, me and Crowley yep. and Jack, was we've established, was at Mayday at the time. We all used to work together from time to time. That's it, yeah. So, uh, so Crowley, uh, I might go to you next. Mm. How, how did you get your start in coffee? Um, so... I, I've been in hospitality my whole life. Uh, my first job was Hungry Jack's, which international people might know better as Burger King. Oh, yeah, Burger King. Um, so I was working there just after school and things like that. And then eventually I'm like, oh, I'm going to go to university. And uh, went to it went into the city and I'm like, oh, well, if well, I could Did go you to study? I know. <laughs> I know I did in the end. Yeah. Uh, I went into the city to get a job in the city somewhere and um, I saw a coffee shop called Hudson's Coffee. Um pretty well-known in Melbourne, but um, uh, this was in Brisbane, and I went in there and got a job, and I thought I would just be making coffee on the till because I actually hated coffee. I, I didn't enjoy it um, as a kid or growing up. In Brisbane, the culture is not the same as here in Melbourne, and um, yeah, so then I realised, oh, the reason I didn't like coffee is because all I was either tasting was instant or just really poorly extracted espresso, and then uh, some of the people behind the bar uh, taught me oh, this is how you make it. And I realised there was better ways to make it, but I realised there was still so far to go. Um, so I focused a lot on learning how to make coffee and really and really digging into it a lot. 
uh, Hudson's Coffee then put me into a competition quite quickly. They mm-hmm. said, do you want to compete against these other coffee chains around Australia? And I said yes, um, which is actually where I met my now boss uh, bosses, uh, Dave Macon and Zoe Delaney. Dave was the MC. Zoe was competing for another company, Michelle's Patisserie. And, um, yeah, so, like, the competition scene was pretty early on in my coffee career. And, you know, just really constantly like pushing to be better and better and better so um yeah i think it was a really big important milestone in my career um i continued working with hudson's coffee for another few years i became the national trainer uh for a while so i was flying around australia and flying to melbourne quite a bit and eventually moved down um i left i left hudson's and then uh was pretty quickly scooped up by dave and zoe at uh, axel when it was in its infancy i think it had only been open for six months mm-hmm. something like that so uh Taken into the roastery, Zoe was teaching me how to roast, uh, working on the bar, like really honing my specialty coffee experience in that sense. And then, um, yeah, uh, eventually moved into the sort of the green bean buyer position uh, and then was still competing from 2000, like sort of 2011 to 2013 where I kind of gave it up. It wasn't, I wasn't really succeeding in it. So I wanted to move into coaching and roasting for the competitors rather than um, focusing on the actual competing side of it. Were there some international competitors that you did that you sort of assisted before you were Anthony's World? Uh, there was, a little yeah. bit later down the track. So I became head roaster and green buyer, and then on a green buying trip I actually met Colter Road and Dave Crosby. Crosby. Yeah. So from Rosso Coffee, and they were on a trip, which I was actually on with Anthony, and they were competing in competition. So it's like, And that's the thing about competition as well. You meet other people that know it, and it instantly like links you together and you can share like uh, this different language and you can talk about it um, so openly. And yeah, so uh, I flew over to Calgary in 2018, was it? Did you go to the Stampede? Was the Stampede on no, at that time? No, and I just got to say a quick shout out to Cole because we actually had a bottle of wine courtesy of Cole. Thanks I drove him to the... Yeah, uh, thanks, Cole. Appreciate thanks, it. Thanks, Cole. Thanks, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> Cheers, mate. Um, he, lo- he loves saying that, by the way. But I drove him to the airport the other day and his luggage was too full for the flight. So he had to offload some things. So I copped a... Bottle of wine, couple of bot- a couple of uh, bags of longboard Tipica and some other little treats. So good on you, Carl. Thanks, Carl. Yeah. Cheers, mate. And, sorry, continue. Oh, and, and in that competition, he um, he came third in the world. Yeah, that was Boston. Yeah, in Boston. Yeah. Um, obviously, uh, my my only went over there and we went through some speech and a bit of you know a bit of run through stuff and just lightly touched on it. But again, it's one of those things like when you've uh, like I was judging as well. I've been judging since twenty fourteen and. Now I'm a world sensory judge as well. So Boston was actually my first time judging the worlds. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Melbourne is now my second time as well. So, you know, there's just a lot of that competition focus and stuff, which has helped me grow not only as a roaster uh, or a barista, but it's like, you know, just an overly encompassing sort of coffee professional, you know, just kind of seeing the whole you've, thing. You've done a fair way. bit. Yeah, you, you know, you've done it. You've, you know, hats off to you, mate. You've done a fair bit. Thank you. But I'm going to ask Jack Simpson. I'm going to throw over to Jack Simpson. How did you get your start in coffee? And can you please tell that beautiful trading story you took? Oh, you told yeah, in sure. take one. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I, I was an apprentice carpenter. Yep. Uh, in Melbourne, um, uh, we were building a lot of decks and pergolas and small jobs. So uh, more often, got the old two before timbers, mate. Oh, you know it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I guess we'll just. A lot of jobs, you know, every week we'd have a few, you know, different jobs in different areas of Melbourne. Um, so, yeah, first thing in the morning, I would, or maybe the night before, I'd Google which coffee shop, especially cafe, was close by. So I'd get up an hour early and I'd make sure I'd get there for a coffee first uh, and then get on the building side and 
from there, I uh, bought an AeroPress and then, you know, lunch times and Smoko. Smoko, yeah, yeah, you've got to have a cup of Smoko, mate. <laughs> yeah, so I was uh, yeah, brewing an AeroPress at Smoko and, um, yeah, then the, the boys were coming around and, uh, you know, give me a bit of a hard time, but then in the end I was starting to make uh, coffee for everyone at the on the building side. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, I just decided I was like, you know, this is my passion and, and decided to, you know, apply everywhere to get a, um, a job just like, you know, Anthony was. It was tough back then to get a barista job and... Um, got a job at a, um, a nice cafe using specialty coffee and I was there for about two years and um, from there I, I think I sent a resume out to every single roaster in, in Melbourne that I could think of uh, and I was just yeah obviously grateful that Axel decided to yeah, accept my application and then yeah here I am. And, and you're an accomplished barista in your own right in the uh, competition category so uh, if I, I hope you don't mind me saying but you, you beat Anthony once upon a time. <laughs> Whooped my ass. Yeah. <laughs> and in that same competition, I actually came third. So it was yeah. one Jack, two Anthony, me three. So, I mean, a bit of a highlight of my life here. Um, <laughs> got my ass kicked by both of you. I was great. Um, and then and then you actually ranked second in the country that year. Uh, so uh, you're no stranger to a bit of competition success yourself, mate. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, um, yeah, I've competed for a few years. and uh, Yeah, this year I decided that I you know, wanted to take a step back and – and get behind Anthony and and his journey. So um, yeah, grateful I, I made that decision, and you know, I could be a part of his journey. And yeah, well, we're, we're gonna get a, we're gonna jump into a whole bunch of that later. But you know, again, we're we're here celebrating Anthony's uh, victory in a way, and it's uh, been one hell of a. Um, it still kind of feels surreal to me because I've known you guys for quite a while now. Uh, I live less than a kilometre away from Axel. I think you live around the corner, don't you, Anthony? Like a seven-minute walk. Seven-minute walk from my house. So yeah. we're, we're recording here. Uh, you're not far away either. You're in Eight the, minutes. Eight minutes. And wh- where are you living these days? Thank God, East. Okay, so, yeah, a bit of a drive for you. <laughs> um, but, yeah, and it's, it's, it's just uh, thrilling that you... All that I just mentioned. And then also that you won in Australia. How did you feel winning in Australia? Yeah, that was good because... Um, I suppose a little bit different to the WBC, right? Like WBC was my first time at the event, so I didn't feel as much pressure, I suppose. But Australia, it was my my seventh time doing it. You know, I'd, I'd come like second, third, second, and then to finally sort of break through was, um, yeah, just it felt really good. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. If you could sum up your competition theme in one word, what would that word be? Mate, we're going to have to be trust. Trust, okay. Yeah. Well, I've got, I've got a little sound grab. Are you done. sure? Yeah, <laughs> I've got a little sound grab. If you don't mind playing it Please. again, yeah. can, can I hit you guys? Please. All right. I want you to cast your mind back to the last time that you had a coffee experience that was exactly as the barista described. Now we all know how good moments like this feel. The reason why they feel so good is because of trust. Every time we create an expectation, we're making a promise. When we deliver upon the expectation, we're keeping that promise. This builds trust in any relationship. Now, I know you all love specialty coffee, and if we want to see this industry thrive, we need trust. Trust. All right, trust. Is the, that's, the big, that's the big takeaway I, I, I get from that 30 seconds. Where did you get the idea for doing trust, and what other sort of ideas did you have prior to that that you had to sort of scrutinise and you know, condense down to this? Yeah, so if, if we go all the way back to the beginning, um, the, the initial inspiration for this routine and concept was an experience that I had in the UK, in the town of Bath, um, 
which is where Maxwell Clutter Dashwood is. Shout out to Maxwell. G'day, mate. G'day, mate. Um, so at oh, the time, right. it was 2018, I was travelling with Team Australia supporting Craig Simon in his lead up to the World Championships. And we went to a gin bar one night called the Canary Gin Bar. And I didn't know anything about gin. I approached the bartender and asked for a bit of help in terms of uh, you know, what to water. And they had a, a ton of varieties of gin on the you know, you know, on the, the back wall. And he sort of helped navigate me towards what he thought I would enjoy. So he asked me a, a series of questions based on you know, my preferences and, and whatnot. And the cocktail that we ended up you know, uh, ending up at was delicious. You know, throughout that time, he demonstrated a lot of knowledge and everything that he said translated directly to the, to the experience in the cup. So I had a great experience that night and it's something that I've been thinking of for years now. And I wanted to try and encapsulate that into a routine, but I just didn't know how at the point at that time. Um, so I, I pitched it to the, the team, so Jack, Matt, and Dave at Axel. Originally, I was going to do something along the lines of you know, uh, a routine with multiple coffees, so frozen coffee similar to what you're doing at, at Sub-Zero um, because we were using the EK43 at that time. Um, but there was a little too much risk involved. So I, I thought a little bit deeper as to what really made that experience special. And it wasn't, wasn't the fact that there were a lot of different coffees. It was the fact that you know, he made a promise you know, of what I'd experienced in the cup. He demonstrated knowledge and he delivered upon that in the cup. And that built trust between you know, myself and him. It left me with more knowledge about gin because I, I felt that it was being represented properly in the cup and I understood what made it taste good and why. Um, and yeah, it was just, overall, it was just a, just a, a, a kind of experience that I thought we should, we really should have more of and something that, you know, I would love to see more in coffee as mm. well to that level. And, and uh, to add to that point, I feel like we've all would have experienced at some stage in, you know, just our you know, coffee drinking <laughs> lives that, you know, sometimes you go to a coffee shop or, and we've got many great ones here in Melbourne, um, and you get primed for a certain experience and that. Very rarely do people actually deliver in it. You know, it's hard with coffee. It's very hard with coffee. So was, yep. was that something you just really sort of had in the back of your mind as well you wanted to deliver? Exactly, yeah. And, uh, and like you mentioned, you know, coffee is hard. There's a lot of variables, you know, involved up until the point that it's in the cup. You know, it's not like a bottle of wine where you open it up and, you know, you, you decant it for a certain amount of time and you'll have a, a pretty similar experience. Um, so that was the focus of this routine primarily. You know, what are those variables, those barista-focused variables how can we control them and, and ensure that we are delivering upon that experience? Mm. And, you know, full confession, you know, even at Sub-Zero, from time to time we make bad coffees. I'm sure the World Barista Champions made it. I haven't made had one at Sub-Zero that's bad. Oh, look at this guy. You know, <laughs> what a I, think, I think he wants a job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, if you're hiring, yeah. Uh, if I could afford it. Um, but, you know, like, you know, we all make bad coffees from time to time, but yeah. I guess, you know, it's uh, you know, a testament to you that you didn't on the day and all the regionals on the nationals, so... Yeah, I, I, I like the routine and um, it kind of feels like, uh, you know, you didn't reinvent the wheel really, which I think a lot of people try and do in competition. And I think that's what I find impressive about it. Yeah. Um, but you definitely nailed what you did. And if I could sort of start by saying that, uh, I've, I've got some notes here, but in the routine at the very start, and I'd like to hear all your thoughts on this. You actually primed the judges for the signature drink from the very start to the very finish. Now, a big part of the scoring in a, a barista competition is the synergy of uh, in the signature drink course from sort of all of the courses. Was that something that, that you had in the back of your mind? Yep. Yeah, it was, absolutely. 
Um, we so we had four four key decisions in the routine that we wanted to to showcase, and to really have good synergy, we wanted to link every ingredient of the signature drink to one of those decisions. And we thought rather than get to the signature drink and it's just a you know you're just vomiting out <laughs> a, a massive section of speech around all those ingredients and explaining how they're all made and and why you know it was sort of it was a nice experience just to stagger it throughout the routine and it also gave us the opportunity to link it directly to the decision as i spoke about it on the spot mm. and let's let's get into some of those decisions now decision decision one so yeah. uh you, you as you said you broke it down into four decisions that you mentioned incrementally throughout the routine uh yeah. through throughout the routine yeah uh so Starting off with the coffee, you chose an anaerobic Sidra from Fink Eldevezo in Colombia. I did. Um, very great coffee. Uh, had, I've got some in the freezer just there. Uh, you, you guys were nice enough to sell me some after Anthony had won the regionals with it. Mm -hmm. So thank you, guys. Um, Nestor's decision to ferment this coffee for 80 hours anaerobically. Yep. Talk me through it. Absolutely. So... And, and to, uh, to add a little bit more onto that, why did you choose that coffee over others? Yes, yeah. So we, we did taste a lot of coffees in the lead up to the competition. And this coffee, in comparison to the others that we tasted on the table, it was very articulate. It was sweet. It was also exciting and unique, you know, which is something that is sometimes hard to find. Um, like you might taste competition coffees and they might tick the boxes on the score sheet without necessarily being unique or being exciting. So the fact that this had that as well was a bit of a bonus. Um, we definitely want, wanted to choose it because of its anaerobic processing, because that we feel that that helped define more flavor in the coffee, mm. or at least articulate that flavor a bit better. It also allowed us to use the same coffee throughout the entire routine because it, it made a killer milk drink yeah. as well, Ooh, yeah. which is great. So for me personally, if if, if ever I can, I would, I'd like to use the same coffee throughout the entire routine, you know, rather than have to split the focus across two, you know, just focus in on the one, explore it completely through espresso, milk, and signature. Mm. Um, so this coffee was just great for that. And how was that process? Like, I imagine you all tried the coffee countless mm. times. Matt, you would have roasted it, you know, a number of different ways. I'll, I'll start with your thoughts, actually. What was that sort of process like? Well, choosing a coffee for competition is always, it's a painstaking <coughs> process because, one, sometimes they're being air freighted or um, you're in touch with a few different people you've worked with in the past or there's something new and exciting coming along. Um, so... I think I think at first we were kind of coming into competition like oh look we'll find something and 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 it'll be it'll tick the boxes and things like that and then we were lucky enough to um, speak with Harry and he he showed us a particular coffee that Bennett's were importing Harry Coe sorry the Australian Brewers Cup champion uh, and he was showing us some coffees that they were importing and then we so we put that on the table with I think some coffees we had from La Palma some coffees we had from our friends at Coffee Net. And we just put them all up and we compare them side by side. So it's a process we go through. We're all involved. Uh, we all were very quiet during it. Everyone everyone writes their notes. We cross-reference our notes and things like that. So in the case of this coffee, it was one of the ones that had um, uh, the most similar notes in that sense. Uh, but it was it was also it, – it had its, its problems in the sense that it was very, very uh, acidic and very, very funky – and sometimes, as a competition judge in previous years, uh, those coffees haven't scored particularly well. They're a little bit too much. So we kept going through the process, tasting a lot of coffees, and no matter what, it was still the standout on the table. But post post the selection process, it still required quite a bit of work from 
Anthony as a barista and, um, you know, myself like roasting wines and things like that just to get it in the right zone and, and things like that. And not only Jack as well, there was a lot of hand sorting that coffee needed. Mm. Yeah, look, we could see... <laughs> You could see the potential it had. Like it had yeah, an amazing sure. potential oh, on the table, you know, but there definitely a lot of work had to, to go into helping sort of refine that. And yeah. I think what was cool about that coffee as well, we tried it very early on uh, yeah. and we wanted to leave no stone unturned as well. So we got a lot of samples in. Um, every week we were, you know, cupping samples from different areas, but yep. we'd always put that one on the end of the table and we were comparing it against that one and just couldn't beat it. Did you, did you freeze the green early on to... That the that you that you ended up roasting for World Brewster Championship or uh, no no so we originally only had what nineteen kilos Anthony yeah we had yeah twenty kilos to start like with that, yeah so with like a standard competition coffee there's not much you've only got maybe ten kilos nineteen kilos fifteen kilos mm. good luck um, it's a lot it's a lot less for a lot of other competitors um, but we had that initially and we had that for the regionals and then um, there was more coming on a shipment by sea. Uh, we just didn't know when it was going to arrive. So we were cautious with our approach originally for the regionals and then uh, eventually more came for nationals and then eventually the worlds as well. Jack, I want to hear your thoughts on it because I know that you're a, you're a fan of clean coffees um, and that's, you know, you and I speak a lot about this in... Uh, <laughs> and, and which, you know, this, this coffee is when extracted <coughs> certain ways or, uh, and you know, it, it's definitely got a lot of balls to it. I'll, I'll say that. Um, what was your thought process? Cause I must admit when you first told me about what Anthony was, Anthony was planning to use, I was like, wow, that's a, that's, that's, that's a big move. I mean, if he's doing it for regionals, sure. Um, what was your thinking? Yeah, obviously like it's a very, you know, it's a crazy and interesting coffee and super exciting and you share it with anyone and you know, it's a very unique experience, but, uh, yeah, for me, I, I'm traditionally, you know, I like washed coffees and something clean and sparkling. And um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> my my thoughts on it originally, you know, was like probably not an option uh, that I would have chosen. Uh, but yeah, Anthony and, and Matt were very, you know, they decided that that's the coffee that, you know, they wanted to use. And um, eventually once Anthony started pulling espressos of it, I, he soon convinced me that that was the coffee that he should use and... Uh, yeah, some of the espressos you served me were, yeah, some of the best I've ever had. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's interesting to get your thoughts because just when was the regional competition? Was that in June? That was July. July, yeah. Just after that, I had some that you had roasted to the comp profiles as well that I served at the Sub-Zero Coffee pop-up I did in Sydney. Yeah. And uh, people were losing their minds, you know, for yeah. both milk and espresso. Like, what is this? Mm. It was the only espresso I had on the day. Like, I, I won't choose a coffee unless it sort of meets the standards. I couldn't find any good espressos at the time. So yours was literally the only one. Yeah. And uh, yeah, got to say, got a good reception, Anthony. Oh, it's an amazing coffee. And credit to Nestor as well for producing such an exceptional coffee. All right, let's uh, let's like uh, let's get a bit more into the nitty gritty of it. With the routine, I noticed that you pulled all the milk shots first. Yeah, you let them sit for a bit. You pulled some signature shots as well, just after that, or during that set as well. At the start, I was did, it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then, so you let the milk shots sit for a bit. Uh, did you pour into the magnetic stirrer first, or was it the cream gun? It was the cream gun first. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So you've done those shots. Then you do. Then you. No, sorry, I'll correct myself. It was the magnetic stirrer. Okay, so mag- we did the coaches just corrected in there. Okay, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I, you, you can tell I've completely forgotten the routine. <laughs> That's history. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so, yeah. Uh, and then you chose to use serve the espressos first. Yep. That's what's right. the, what's the thought process behind that? 
Well, it actually worked out really well. So Jack originally suggested trying to leave the milk shots cool, you know, which we we did, and it just resulted in more vibrancy in the in the milk drink and really helped carry those those fruit flavors through. And that worked out really well because I had quite a lot of speech to get through, you know, prior to the espresso course. How many words in total was the routine? Ooh, I I didn't do a final tally like leading up to the day. Okay. At, at one point it was about 3000. Jesus. Yeah. That's big. <laughs> it was a, a big boy. Yeah. Yep. Um, so yeah, I had quite a bit of speech to get through prior to the espresso course. Um, so that worked out really well because it allowed me to sort of lay the foundation for the routine, introduce the concept, um, introduce two of the key decisions at, at that point and then serve the espresso. Oh, I've got another little audio grab here I'm going to play. Sure. I am so excited to introduce to all of you the fourth key decision, milk cryodesiccation. Okay, that wasn't the part. I, I've got my I've got my little numbers here. So the second decision was uh, was to do with the distribution of the espresso. That's right. I've got the little device here in front of me, yeah. the the Weiss distribution. That was the second decision, wasn't it? it yeah. Was. Yeah. Second decision. Weiss. First first was Nestor. Then second was third was roasting. Fourth oh, yeah, was yeah, prior. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. So flashbacks. Um, Weiss distribution. Talk me through it. So you did it at regionals and nationals a certain way. Um, And then you've got this funky little device, which is in my hand right now, uh, which you can spike yourself really easily on. So be careful when you get it. Um, So why this? Yeah, so I I explored a variety of different distribution methods leading up to the competition um, and did a lot of testing, tasting and, you know, using the refractometer (coughs) to actually check the TDS and extraction percentage um, just to make sure I was delivering upon you know, everything I wanted to in the cup. And that sort of went, that same sort of thing applied to all the variables. Like we re-explored re- everything leading up to this routine. Um, so as far as distribution went, I was actually going to go with finger distribution for a while because I was getting really good results doing that. And then I thought, you know what, I'll give this, uh, give this comb a go because I'd, I'd seen it on Barista Hustle. Ordered it in, made some coffee and I'm like, damn, this tastes better. Those six months of training, my distribution is out the window now. I've got to, got to learn this. So um, I used that at regionals and, and sort of refined that for nationals. And Matt Perger was there actually on the day of nationals. And, you know, I, I just won. And he sort of approached me and said, look, you know, I've got this, this new tool I'm releasing. I think you'll like it. You know, it's the waste distribution technique, but we've sort of, you know, autonomized it. Um, are you interested? I said, hell yeah. Well, I, can, I can add a little layer to that story if, if yeah, you don't mind. Please. So I was actually sitting next to him while you yeah. were on stage on the final day and he goes, oh, fuck, what's Anthony doing in that? Uh, in What's he got there? He's like, oh, that's the comb. Mm. Oh, I can help him so much for Worlds if he makes it. I'm going to hit him up. Yeah. So it was, it, was, it was really interesting hearing him say that because, yeah. I don't know, he's been sitting on this for a while uh, from the best of my knowledge and then yeah. was able to get a prototype done for you in Tougher Worlds. Yeah, yeah. So he pushed a prototype um, and we went through a few iterations together. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's, it's an incredible tool. It, it made some of the best espresso I've had and compared against other distribution te- uh, techniques that I've tried – Side by side, it just, you know, it, um, it just crushed the rest, honestly. So, yeah, shout out to Matt for producing such an awesome tool. And, yeah, he helped a lot leading up to the, the competition itself as well. So, yeah, big help. Thanks, mate. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean I've mean, got to be honest. I'm surprised. Like, I always see tools like this uh, that get released in, into the barista world, and I'm sceptical. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, you know, like, Matt's a friend of mine, but I'm happy for mm. you to roast him on this podcast. Does that thing make a difference? Oh, 100%. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
we, we pulled espressos on the day that he brought it in to Axel, and I, I couldn't believe the difference. Like, it just, it's one of those things where you don't realise until you taste it side by side. But the coffee from this tool was just, it tasted like it was incredibly even in extraction. It was sweeter, it was more articulate, um, and it was easy too, you know. Mm. Like, waste distribution technique can be a little bit time-consuming sometimes. Like, for me at Nationals, I think I was taking around 20 seconds distributing my handles, you know, using the comb, but using this, it was just a few seconds, and it's so easy. It's something that you could see actually being used in a cafe as well. Yeah, well, I'm not going to give him a free pass yet, but uh, I'd love to see like a Lance Hendrick, James Hoffman, yep. Socratic coffee review on this thing and to see what it actually does. Um, yeah, uh, that's great. And, um, you know, I'd actually love to sort of... We used it at the Sub-Zero pop-up the day yep. after um, you won. And unfortunately, I, it was so busy, I didn't actually get to try many espressos using it. So mm. I'd love to actually have a bit of a play around with it myself. Yep. Um, but yeah, you guys, you got anything else to add to about the waste distribution? Um, I think, like... We were obviously all in the room tasting it. And I remember, I remember with originally with the comb when Anthony, Jack and I, he was serving us an espresso with finger distribution at the comb. And then it was blind. And he's like, which one? And we pointed and he was like, oh, damn it. Like, <laughs> you know, all that work he put in the comb was, was, was the superior <laughs> coffee. Um, so we went down that path. And then with this new tool, I think even like from a judging perspective as well, like the proof is in the pudding. Like when you see it go on top and, and then the bed, that's sitting there underneath it. Um, like it not only tastes good, but you look at it and you like you can visually see what it's done. So tech wise and things like that, like it's evenly distributed. It like uh, the results phenomenal. Yeah, just oh, like I didn't. I don't obviously use it. I'm not working on the bar every day and things like that. But the results are in the cup for yep. sure. Jack. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, like Matt said, you know, we we tried a lot of blind tasting and yeah, it kept coming up as the winner. So. Um, even from the comb to this um, the automatic version, we noticed a big difference. And um, having it as consistent as this is, every time you can just put it on and, and give it a twirl and it's going to give you the same result. Well, it's funny. I saw someone – I went to Auntie Peg's the other day in Collingwood and uh, a barista named James there was making espresso and I uh, said, oh – what are you doing there? And he had a little, he had one of the, the other ones that was, uh, I don't know, must have been the first edition. The comb. The comb. Anyway, so I said, oh, because I, I still had this thing in mm. my car. And I, I, as far as I understand, that's the only one in the world right now, right? <coughs> yeah, we do have a spare one yeah. that he's made for us. Okay, yeah. right. Well, uh, so I had that just chilling in my car. And, <laughs> um, you know, I said, oh, I've got something in the car. I want you to try Anyway, so he made it, and he, they were all really enthused by it, but Nolan Hurth was actually sitting there, the founder of Proud Mary. He's like, oh, jeez, what's that? And then, uh, yeah, so that was, that was pretty funny. But, yeah, um, yeah the waste distribution tool. So we'll keep our eyes peeled for that. Mm -hmm. um, third key decision, and uh, we're going to lean on Crowley here for a bit of content. Third key decision is roasting. Matt, what was your approach to roasting? And I want to hear every variation from start to regionals, to nationals, to worlds, go. Okay. So, uh, obviously, I have been roasting – well, not obviously, I shouldn't say. I've been roasting for competition since I stopped competing for competition. I used to just roast for myself. And a little a little, uh, little bit of information there. Anyone that is working on their barista routine or competition, it is always good to have a team because if you're just roasting and tasting yourself, it's very easy to get convinced about the things that are good – um, and then when someone tells you otherwise, you're not willing to listen. So, you know, it's always good to sense check everything uh, as you're going through roasting and things like that. Um, 
So when we were roasting and picking coffees and things like that, uh, El Diviso was a very big, intense, acidic, uh, fruity coffee. And uh, one of the biggest things that we loved about it was the kind of red winey tannin notes that it had, but they were also extremely overpowering. So the first thing we did was we were roasting it and then we were dealing with this really intense acidity that was like I'd say borderline like vinegary sometimes. Like if you yep. went if you went too light on it, especially coming through the espresso machine. Like I imagine as uh, if you were brewing it um, you know, as a filter roast, like you could curve it out with like a few different techniques, but on the espresso machine it was very intense. Yep. So that was our first thing that we tried to overcome. So that was uh, one of the things was for normally for a competition roast, I would normally keep it in the vicinity of ten and a half to eleven minutes. Uh, I'm actually roasting. I usually roast our competition roast on a Yang Chia that I actually got from Matt Perger as well. It's oh. going to sound like Matt Perger to me. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to love this. Uh, no, no, no. We um we picked it up a few years ago because we needed a one kilo roaster, um, and yeah, so kind of gotten my head around it over the years and things working with Anthony and some of the other competitors we've had. So it kind of have a profile that works for competition, but it, it didn't quite work for this coffee. Like the other problem is being a, a very anaerobic natural is if you went to, so curving out the acidity was one thing. So a really long development was helping that, uh, the 24% that Anthony mentioned in his routine. But then we also were finding that if you went a few degrees too high, the, the outside just really developed quite dark. So it didn't, it wasn't roasty, but it had these really, sharp like acrid notes so they were and they were just stomping all over the sweetness so the fruitiness changed from like those cherry and blackberries just like really heavy sort of molassesy notes and um just really weren't delivering in the cup so um that's where we worked on together because we roast and then taste and then roast and then taste uh so it's a long process but um the thing that we went for is like we opened it up to a really high airflow. So normally the airflow stepped from 50%, 60%, 70% towards the end of the roast. Uh, and then we actually just, I tried a few where I just opened the airflow to 90% and then 100% towards the end. So when it did crack, which was on this roast around 196, um, we got about, it was about two minute 25 development and... Uh, only moves about two degrees, but that's a combination of the airflow and the way that this roaster works in, like, with these coffees. Uh, and it just it curved out the tannins enough that they were there, but they were pleasant. We weren't getting those acrid notes, and it was just a really rounded, bookended espresso, particularly using the uh, storm or the tempesto. It was the storm, storm at that point, yeah. Yeah, so like it's roasting for the coffee machine with the mythos and things like that. So that particular. Roast worked very, very well. Um, and I didn't change anything from regional... Well, from regionals to Australians, we actually had a big argument in-house. Uh, and then everyone's like, we need to change it, we need to change it. And we eventually did a full circle and we went back to the original roast. <laughs> so, so that was pretty annoying. Um, but that's the point, you know. As Jack said earlier, no stone unturned. you got to try mm. everything. Um, I think that was good as well because, you know, Matt would... With the one kilo roast, we have got the ability to, you know, do eight or nine roasts in a row and and then taste them. So I think that was the good thing about that. You know, Matt would you know tweak little things, you know, and we would taste them all together and and we would pick the best and then he would adjust from there as well. So 
um, lots of tweaking with that. Did you feel like at the time we were like, oh, I've got an enormous sense of responsibility over this right now. Like this is kind of like, you know, a lot of people say that a barista competition is really a roasting competition. And so did you feel that responsibility heavily when sort of more towards the World Barista Championship end of the, of the season? Oh. Or you're a pretty smooth operator? That's, that's quite funny. It's actually, I feel like we were actually more stressed out about the Australians. Like we were all the rows going through everything. Like I think we had like five, six, seven different options for the Australians and we were like really stressed about getting across the lines because we'd never mm. won Australia before. Yeah, right. Like, so we, yeah. it was like a very, a very stressful environment. That was the hump that you needed to get yeah, over. Yeah, for sure, for yeah. sure. So after, after Australians, like we, we were still roasting and we were still obviously wanted to do very well, but we knew the coffee was good. Uh, but we we never ever competed in a world environment, so we would we don't know if this is what the judges like. Like we don't know if they're going to enjoy it, so we had to just stick to our guns and stick to what we thought was good, because you know we need the feed. Like until we get that feedback, until we get you know uh, feedback from all the world century judges, and shout out to all of them, you're all amazing, and yep. it was an awesome experience. Um, yeah, you don't know what people like or mm. not, and. Um, yeah, so we just had to stick to what we were doing, the way that Anthony was making coffee, what we all were tasting, and just see if it was well-received on a world scale. I think it went all right. What do you guys think? Oh, well, I mean, yeah. Okay. In hindsight, I think it worked out okay. <laughs> One thing I'll note as well, too, is um, we also roasted to the water that we were using, too. So the we got our hands on some water for the WBC, I think it was on the 15th. Yeah, like September? Yep. That's right. So until that point, there really wasn't any point in making yeah, adjustments yeah. to the roast profile because we mm. weren't, you know, we weren't did doing it to the right water anyway. Did you make any tweaks or did you just sort of work out that your coffee was like you'd sort of, you know, it it all sort of worked out for you and you didn't have to in the end? I, I don't know if we it wasn't a tweak, but I think when the coffee because we roasted and it was very fresh, so we tasted it first when it was fresh. I think we're all freaking out a little bit. We were like, oh, oh no, is this is this what we want to serve? And as it every day that it aged and it got closer and closer to the the you know, the ideal extraction day of nine days, um, we were just getting happier and happier and happier with the results. So were you serving nine days on finals? I served a little bit longer actually, eleven days. So mm. just through tasting um, closer to the day we, we decided the coffee actually needed a bit more rest. So we started uh, originally, I was going to freeze it at nine days, which is when it peaked for nationals. Um, but I didn't do that, just left it to rest a bit more. We ended up opening the coffee a bit earlier as well prior to the routine because in the practice time when we tasted it, um, it just tasted a little little gassy. Mm. You know, it tasted like it could have done with a bit more time to open it up and breathe. I've got to say, a lot of the competitors, uh, like, and I heard because I went to the base camp, that yep. um, their coffee tasted starkly different to what it did back in their home country. Uh, so, um, you know, one example was Ben Put. His actually was his was incredible, but I I, I, I do recall him saying at the time, um, you know, uh, oh yeah, this is you know working with the water is quite challenging and quite difficult. Um, can you all did any of anyone else ex- hear anything like that or? Yeah, yeah, we definitely heard a few things from different competitors. I know um, Patrick Rolf didn't have the best results with his water and the, and the coffee that he was using. Still managed to come six in the world. Oh, I know, right? Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's one of those things, right? When when they produce a water and you're roasting coffee in different countries, the different profiles, some of them are going to work and some of them 
not quite so much. Sorry, trains going by, yeah. just getting getting all sorts of noises. But good old Auburn Station. Yeah, yeah, Auburn Station. Uh, Jack, I want to know what sort of role you played in all this because obviously you've got Matt the roaster, Anthony the competitor, and I, I imagine I don't know at all, but your job was to sort of obviously assist Anthony, but help keep a level head on certain things. But obviously you had a big sway on. What was your sort of interpretation of the roasting throughout the whole process? The roasting, yeah. Or I mean, look. I left what we sort of, you know, leave a lot of that to, to Matt. Obviously, we taste it as a team together um, and we give him feedback and then Mac, Matt makes a, those adjustments. Uh, then I ignore it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but no, obviously, Matt does an amazing job of that. So that's what he's really good at and I think we just let him go at it. But um, obviously, we give him our feedback and, um, yeah, I think I've got the, the easiest position there. You know, Matt roasts it, Anthony extracts it, I just get to taste it. So, um Easiest job in the house. Okay, well, uh, I think you're selling yourself short yeah, there, as always. I'm selling yourself short. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's there's uh, three very experienced people, and Jack and Jack and Anthony are baristas more so than I am. And when you know when they're talking about extractions and things like that, I just say I think it needs a little more sweetness, and and they work together on that. And obviously, like Jack's support in the whole thing helped Anthony be able to, like, you know, just focus on what he needed to do. Mm. Well. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'll jump in there for a second. Yeah, you on. really did sell yourself pretty <laughs> short. But, um, yeah, honestly, Jack's been amazing. He's um, got a lot of experience himself as a barista, so it was good having someone to bounce things off, you know, from an extraction point of view, and he had contributed so much into the routine as well, including the fourth key decision that we're about to go through. Um, but, yeah, I couldn't have done it without you and, of course, the other boys as well. Oh, we'll, we'll, let's not pull the heartstrings too much too early. We got yeah. we got to finish with the crescendo here. Oh, so, um, <laughs> no, but I, I mean to add on to that, I think you know I've spoken to Jack a few times. You know, uh, <laughs> we probably speak on the phone, and back when, even when I was in Sydney, probably spoke on the phone once every week or two, yeah. sort of thing. And um, and uh, I really you, oh he's he's just taking a sip of Matt Crowley's just taking a sip of Jack's wine. That's not going to go down well. I'm double park. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> double park. <laughs> All right. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I think you know, in the you're you're now World Brewster Championship winning coach, and you know I think you're in denial about it, but you are um, every bit as much as sort of Frederico is or Sasha Sestich is or yeah anyone like you are. So I mean, you're going to be on the big bucks next year if you want to win a World Brewster Championship. I hope Dave is listening to this, by the way. Yeah, Dave Macon, <laughs> uh, you know, listen up. I hope the uh, I hope the checkbook is fresh. Um, so if you want to if you want to win a championship. Yes, you can go to Anthony. Yes, you can go to Matt. But, you know, Jack Simpson uh, also could be available. So, um, well done to you, Jack. Now, let's go on to the fourth and final key decision, which is the milk core. So, the flavour notes you had were cherry, butterscotch, and chocolate mousse. Um, I actually think that the milk course, well, this coffee, you know, I've had it as an espresso and milk. And for me, I enjoy it so much more as a milk-based coffee. Yep. Uh, particularly the iteration that you gave me at Nationals. Yep. Um, so I got to try a little bit and I was like, holy crap. You know, I've never I've never had coffee that good. Um, who wants to start on the milk course? Um, fourth key decision. Let's go, Anthony. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, why right. not? So what was this big wacky thing you did with the milk course? Yeah, so it's called milk cryodiscation. And... I've mentioned this before, but a lot of barista competitors try different techniques and things to get the most out of their milk. So, you know, we've we've seen 
you know, freeze distillation and, and things like that before, right? And the use of different milks and blending milks and things like that as well. Um, and as we were sort of going through the process of exploring all of that, you know, leaving no stone unturned, um, we've actually got a freeze dryer in-house. So Jack actually suggested, why don't we try putting some milk in the freeze dryer and see what happens, you know? So we did that. Um, so milk, so cryodiscation is another term for freeze drying. Um, and it resulted in this powder of milk that was concentrated by about 900%. You know, all the good stuff, the milk, proteins, fat, sugars, vitamins, minerals. So what we did is what we did is we took some of that powder, we recombined it with the original milk, um, essentially doubling the concentration of you know everything in the milk. Mm-hmm. Um, this resulted in a milk drink that was sweet, lush, very articulate as well. So what I find can be a problem with other techniques is it becomes too dairy dominant, and the milk mm. flavors, as much as we love them, will dominate the flavor of the coffee. Whereas with this technique, we found it really helped highlight and work with the coffee and it sort of married really well with the flavor notes of Eldoviso. Um, it also allowed us to use a little bit less milk to sort of highlight the strength of the coffee as well. Yeah, and I think to add to that, like the when I tried it at uh, around the Nationals time, yeah. it was like it had this really distinct malty flavor, which I mean, you've, you've got butterscotch here, but I mean, it, was, it, it, it tasted quite malty to me. Um, but... Uh, yeah, terrific milk drink, and I've got down here. You used ninety grams of milk in the region, uh, the worlds. Yep. Did you change your extraction from nationals to worlds? So I could have sworn you said twenty three grams in at nationals, fifty out, and then you went twenty. No. Uh? You might be thinking of Gab. Actually, I think he used numbers similar. Yeah. To that. Okay. So Gab okay. Was yep. the second place um, uh, runner up in Australia. So I I used twenty two point five grams in. I think it was. 40 grams out at nationals and I used the same numbers at yeah. worlds. Yeah. And obviously made a one hell of a milk drink. Oh yeah. It was just, um, it's one of the best milk, milk drinks I've had. And procedurally Jack, you know, what was it like sort of hashing out this technique, which is never before seen on the world stage. Mm-hmm. You know, like we said, a lot of people do the, uh, do the, uh, you know, freeze distillation and that's, uh, that's become quite popular. I think Ben put might've done that first. I think 2017 was when yeah. Ben put first to introduce that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, you know, how'd you, so obviously Anthony just said, you was like, oh, why don't we try this? And then how did you sort of refine it? Yeah, I guess, I mean, a lot of other competitors use the freeze distilled milk and, um, yeah, we've recently just got a freeze dryer. So I'm like, oh, you know, let's give this a go and see if we can concentrate some milk powder and, uh, just did a batch for Anthony. I said, like, you know, let's try it in milk and see how it goes. And yeah, I guess as soon as we did, it was yeah, something that I haven't experienced in a milk drink before. Uh, just so creamy. And like Anthony said, it d- didn't dominate the cup, but it's just so full and, and, and lush. And um, it's quite hard drinking regular milk now after trying that. <laughs> Did you have to find a pretty good milk brand to do that with? Oh, funny you mentioned that, Kirk. Oh, oh. Um, yeah, uh, our friends at Riverina ah, uh, oh. came in. Those guys. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone's looking for a milk supplier, Riverina. Okay. Uh, I, I think just to add on that as well, the coolest thing about it is as a judge, like from a judging perspective, freeze distilled milk has been, it can be so hit or miss on stage. Mm-hmm. Like, because obviously when everything is, uh, you know, the, the milk is starting to melt into the um, into the jug and like some of the water is coming with it. It's just, it's not exact. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw a few more competitors this year using freeze distilled milk mixed with original milk again like um and i'm not sure if that's been around for a while but it kind of adding that same concept back but i think the best thing about it was you can tweak the amount of uh cryodesiccated milk into the jug to match the coffee so obviously we never had to change 
the El Diviso uh, for the whole period of the competition. But should we have switched to another coffee, we would have used a different volume of cryodesiccated milk to to regular milk. Um, and that's a cool thing about it. It's like it's 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 another balancing act and another facet of the competition that I thought was really exciting and fun coming up. I guess yeah. the other thing about cryodesiccated milk as well is we can we can make a batch and you know we vacuum seal it and and, it, and it's there and it's a consistent stable product as well. Whereas freeze distilled, it's like you know a bit a bit of a balancing act. And you know I heard a lot of the other competitors backstage you know spoke about you know setting alarm for three a.m. to get up and check their they're freeze distilled milk, so uh, I guess it eliminates a lot of that <laughs> yep. that variability. Did you have something to add there? I thought. Oh yeah, well, it just you know when you when you cryodesiccate it, it results in the same level of concentration every single time. So it'll reduce it to a powder to exactly the same concentration, and you can replicate that recipe time and time again. You know, so I think just the consistency of it was um, was also a big plus. Would you say you could trust? Cryodesiccation? I reckon you could, mate. <laughs> yeah. You could trust it. Yeah. yeah. Trust the trust in the tr- cryodesiccation, trust in the fourth. You trust know in Riverina. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like it. I like it. I like it. That your words, not mine. Um, all right, let's move on to the signature drink. Now this part I hate. You know, you've obviously nailed it because you're the well rested champion, so you've you've done a great job. And like I said, you started priming the judges for the signature course right at the very beginning of the routine. Yeah. Um Bringing it all together, can I can and I, and I want to hear all of your thoughts again, starting with you, Anthony. What was your approach to making a World Brewster Championship winning signature drink? Well, there was a lot of tasting at the beginning of different um, different um, fruits and different ingredients and things like that. So we were linking the ingredients to you know, the key decisions. So that didn't that didn't necessarily limit us to only one or two ingredients. We had a few options that we could draw from that still worked and. It worked with the, the synergy of the coffee and the synergy of the routine. Um, so we tasted a variety of different ingredients and, and techniques to see what would work best with the coffee. And, yeah, I think that the concept really gave us the freedom to explore as many different techniques and, and ingredients a, a, as we could because it didn't really box us in, if that makes sense. And, yeah, it was just just like everything else in the routine that we developed. We just tested everything and whatever tasted the best you know, um, is essentially what we chose. Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, sorry, did you have something? Well, I was going to make a point of the the SIG drink that, you know, Anthony made, like, obviously when he first made it for regionals and it was an exceptional SIG drink and as, you know, anyone that's done competition before knows how hard it is to make a SIG drink. But, um, yep. I, you know, the way Anthony and, and the team worked on that SIG drink and the, when he got it to a point where it was at Worlds, it was, you know, the best SIG drink I've ever had and it was... Uh, yeah, obviously something that was he should be you know, extremely proud of. Yeah. If if I'm honest, it was probably the weak point at you know in the regional routine. The espresso and the milk were, were really good, but the signature drink definitely needed to evolve. So we, we sort of stepped it up for nationals, and we luckily enough we had the opportunity to step it up again for worlds. Crowley, oh well, as a century judge, yeah, the signature drinks are always a hard one. It's it's whether it's the synergy or whether it's uh, you know uh, well explained, introduced and prepared. Um, <clears throat> it is just, you know, you're taking something, some of the best coffees in the world that are beautiful and amazing and and adding things to them and expecting them to be better. So it's it's such a hard thing. And I do feel for every competitor, but particularly Anthony, how he hands us one signature drink after another and we're just like, oh, no, oh, yeah. oh, oh. It's like it's, it's such a grueling process. But he really um, – and, and, like, uh, I know we're 
a big part of a team in this one. But he really went above and beyond and spent some long nights like tailoring the signature drink and the ingredients and things like that and, and got it to a level where it was like incredibly enjoyable. Um, you know, that's the thing. Sometimes the signature drink is just something you can finish. You know, that's well, good. We, we were saying that as well. Like, you know, Dave would always say, you know, a signature drink we, we should want to finish. Uh, and, you know, the, the point before Worlds, like we were all finishing that sig drink. Like it was amazing. Yeah, we had a few nights where we didn't sleep very yeah. well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I, I remember sitting on the side of the stage uh, on finals day um, and I just I got to have a little sip of the last iteration of the signature drink and if it's anything like what the judges got, uh, I know it was an incredible drink uh, and, yeah, he should be very proud of all the work he put in. What's a, what's the level of scrutiny and detail that goes into making each ingredient? Like, you know, the you know, for example, you had passion fruit, uh, plum, uh, uh, I, I can't even remember, sorry. Yeah, um, it, was, it was passion fruit, um, a Colombian honey, um, a cold brewed hibiscus tea, yep. and a, a cryo-desiccated date syrup. And to make those, to get to what you, the finished product was in the end, yep. what level of attention to detail did it take to make each ingredient and how many times did you have to refine it sort of thing oh mate it, it took a lot so we, we tracked everything we tracked all the recipes um and in the lead up to the national routine i actually spent some time with um ash from stokehouse so he's a sort of a friend a friend of ours for the industry and um an, an incredible pastry chef and he really helped me sort of refine the ingredients and give me a bit of advice on how to get the most out of each of them and this is a point that Dave has always sort of stressed too, that, you know, all the ingredients individually have to taste amazing, you know. Um, if you want to be able to put them together and expect, you know, the product to be amazing, they, they really need to stand alone um, and speak for themselves. So, yeah, we, we definitely did a lot of iterating of each ingredient, making sure they all, they all individually tasted amazing and um, so that the product itself was yeah, above and beyond. All right. Well, I think, uh, does anyone have any... Con- Oh, Matt Crowley's producing a photo here of just how many signature drink uh, ingredients there are, and you know, looks uh, looks like you probably you probably went through that a few times, guys. Mm, you know, just probably scratching the surface. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, it's, it's also yeah. like oxidization. Like once you've made the ingredients, every yeah. time you're using them, how much they're changing. Like yeah. knowing which, just like the coffee, knowing which day they peak, mm. how long you can use them for. It's it, there's so much. It's so much that goes into it. Yep. All right, everyone listening, get out your notebooks. I'm about to ask a really important, absolute dart of a question to Anthony Douglas. One piece of advice you can give to competitors creating a signature drink, what would it be? Don't make it too sweet. Okay. <laughs> I think right. a lot of people do that. Um, <laughs> yeah, similar to what the guys have said, it just it has to taste good. You know, it's got to be something that you want to finish. You know, so... A lot of competitors, I feel, go a little bit too ingredient heavy, you know. So make sure that the coffee is still able to sing and still shine through the ingredients, and they're not dominating the cup. That's probably the biggest piece of advice I give. And that's probably one of the advantages you have of using El Diviso, right? Is that the coffee itself is so, you know, intense that yep. you know you can sort of, you you know, more than other coffees, you can pair ingredients with it, and it will still sort of shine a bit. Is that a fair thing to say? Hundred percent, and we can recognise too if we are if we are dominating the coffee because those flavours are so distinct. So we know whether they're being distorted by the ingredients to a level that's too high, or whether the coffee is actually speaking for itself as well. All right. Well, I think I've heard enough about the routine and the signature drink. Now I want to ask uh, some deep and meaningful questions, starting yeah, obviously with the man himself, Anthony. Um, 
You came second or third how many times in the national barista competition in Australia? I came second twice mm-hmm. and third once. Okay. And so obviously... And fourth and, twice. And fourth twice. Yeah. What was, it, what was going through your head after all, like after each of the sort of, uh, I mean, it, it must really hurt to place and you put so much work into this every time. You've done competition seven years now, so obviously the first six you didn't win the nationals. Yeah. Um, what What were some of the emotions that you felt after not winning in those times? It was very, uh, very mixed emotions, you know, because I was I was close enough to the point that it was motivating to keep going, but I was also close enough to the point where it really hurt to not mm. <laughs> to not win, you know, yeah. for a number of, a number of times. Um, yeah, like after the competition, you know, I'd always be down for a week or two and I'd be a little bit bitter and I don't want to do this again and, mm. you know, um, but then I'd sort of uh, I'd get the bug and, you know, start thinking and the cogs would start turning and I'd want to get back into it. Um, at the end of the day, though, you know, every year I have, I've learned and I've made mistakes and I, sort of, I can recognise where I'm going wrong. You know, if, if I was losing and I didn't understand why, that might be a different story. You know, but I think I've come out of each competition being like, yep, fair enough. You know, I came second. You know, kudos to whoever, whoever came first. They put up an excellent routine, excellent coffee. You know, good on them. Um, I messed up in some way or another. And, and some of the some of the, and we have a magnificent quality of competition in Australia as well. You know, we some do. of the Bristons that you came yep. second to or didn't that beat you were you know Hugh Kelly, Craig Simon, yep. Matt Lewin. Jay Jennings, I think, finished second one year. Did, yeah, 2016, yeah. Um, and, you know, the, I mean, if there's anyone else I've forgotten, I'm, I'm sorry. But, you know, the, the quality of competition here in Australia is very, very strong. I think that has a lot to do with it as well. So let's say I had have won by chance in a previous year. Maybe I wouldn't have been ready to, to take on the Worlds, you know. So I think, uh, I think the timing was right, and I think I definitely needed those years of, you know, sort of scratching at the surface and, and not quite breaking through. And this year at the Nationals, and we, we mentioned one of them by name just before, uh, you had coming second was Gabriel Tan from Veneziano Coffee Roasters, also owns his yes. own brand called New Wave. Yep. Uh, finished second in the National Brewster competition yep. in his first year. So that's an incredible achievement, is it not? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. I was eighth in my first year, so yep. nice work, Gabe. Yeah, yep, very nice work. And then obviously came third. And I want to I want to give a particular shout-out to Angus Mackey, who yep. uh, been to hell and back with his health. Yeah. Um, and, you know, put up quite an insightful routine. And as I understand it, had a bit of sort of technical issues on the day. Uh, and, um, you know, and I, I think he was very, uh, you know, it, it was hard for him to come third. He, he really wanted to win and, yep. you know, like everyone does. But, you know, big shout out to him for, first of all, just coming back in general. And uh, he used uh, a Bolivian, Bolivian Floripondio geisha. So if you've ever listened to uh, an episode of the Sub-Zero podcast I did with Daniela Rodriguez, she would have talked about uh, coffee from the Semipata project, So, which is, I believe, where um, I've got a particular love for Bolivian coffee, as, as many of you know. Yeah. Um, and so I actually tried some of his coffee as well. And I've got to say, at the milk course, when I tried it, I thought, oh, Anthony might be in trouble here. His coffee was very good. Um, mm. Yeah, well, look, uh, you know, Angus is um, he's a, he's a friend of mine. He's someone I've got a great level of respect for and an incredible barista. So, yeah, it's a shame for him things didn't work out on the day, but, you know, hopefully we'll see him up there again you know, next year or, you know. Yeah, I'm sure you will. I'm yeah. sure you will. But I, uh, I, uh, Sorry, I was going to say, I had the pleasure of judging Angus at both the regionals and the nationals. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, he's a, he's a pleasure to watch, as are all yep. the competitors and things like that. But 
one one thing I see is he makes a tasty signature drink. Yeah. Or yeah, he's a very very he's very very good at it. Yeah. Yeah, and and if I'm gonna give this much attention to Angus, I also need to come back to Gabe. Circle back to Gabe here. He used a exo geisha from uh, Sarah Azul in Colombia, which yeah, I've got some in that uh, freezer behind me. It's uh, fantastic. And he made me his uh, milk drink at Veneziano on the weekend. And uh, honestly, it, it, it's spectacular. So if, uh, if anyone out there is lucky enough to try it, uh, I encourage you to do so. Yeah, really good coffee. Great barista. Watch that space. Mm-hmm. Watch that space. Yeah, and, you know, if he's come second in his first year, then who knows yeah. what he can do. Oh, yeah. He, yeah. yeah. Very, very, yeah. It's very, very different competitors as well. He's very, very tech and, and uh, like, quite science forward and things like that and very, very well executed in that. And uh, Angus is... Hey, Angus gives you the feels. He always gives you the feels. So yeah. mm. made a few people cry. That <laughs> yeah. What I heard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's what I mean. Yeah. No, it's not one way to win competition. Everyone's got their own way of going about it. Yeah. Um, and they're both amazing competitors. Yeah. And you know, wish them all the luck in the future. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I want to, uh, as I want to know a bit more about the journey up to the competition. Now, um, how do you structure? You're a very uh, calculated guy, as I understand, Anthony. So how do you sort of, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this, Jack, how do you structure your sessions in which you're training uh, for the World Bristol Championship? Like, how do you actually plan to win? Good question. Um, I I track a lot of things. So I've, I've got a pretty intricate system I use in terms of tracking everything I need to get done. Um, and I'm always sort of juggling, you know, what, what the highest priority thing is. So sometimes I'll step into the training room and, you know, I might feel like, okay, I've got to really work on some tech today. So I want to really lock down my tech and we'll just want to make some espresso and milk-based drinks um, or, you know, it might be signature drink refinement or whatever it is. You know, I think it depends on where you are in the journey, um, depending on the feedback on the last run-through as well. You know, and that that's sort of my focus moving forward, sort of just ironing out, out those areas that need the most attention. Jack? I'd love to jump in here. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, with competition, like... Anthony would send me, you know, million calendar invites and have his days and <coughs> weeks <laughs> listed out, you know, to the minute, um, which is great for me because I'm not that organised. So uh, mm. <laughs> I can just wake up, look at my calendar and see everything that's on that day. Um, so, yeah, I just, yeah, the way he plans out the day is like second to none. And um, I guess moving forward to competition day, being backstage with him, um, you know, he's got a list for everything. So, you know, the way his trolley looks and, by the time it's, you know, 30 minutes before competition, this needs to be done an hour before, you know, these other things need to be done. And, you know, we check that list, you know, three or four times and we make sure everything's spot on. So, um, yeah, like it was a great insight to see how prepared you need to be to be the WBC champion, you know. and uh, Yeah, that, that, that's, that's probably a good segue into uh, a question I had next. What are some of the, like, lesser known elements of preparation for a barista competition that people would, what are the least considered sort of things that you would place a high level of importance on? Yeah, we've just sort of covered covered it, but I think organisation is a big one mm. because you don't want to you don't want to step on stage with any doubt in your mind that you're missing something or that you haven't done something or you know. So I think just being organised to the point where you're like, okay, cool, I've got this, and you step on stage and you've got complete confidence in your setup and and all of that. I think that's that that makes you a pretty dangerous competitor. Yeah, you know. Yeah, there's um there's other areas we could go to I go into I suppose um mindset is probably a big one that I spent a lot of time focusing on this year in terms of preparation. So I actually worked with a mind coach. Um, his name was Darren, and he um he helped me a lot in terms of getting 
getting me in the right sort of headspace to win. And there were a lot of things that I was doing without realizing it subconsciously that were sort of sabotaging me and my results. Like what? Um, or just whether or not I thought I deserved to win. You know, I had a bit of an Im- imposter syndrome. Um, and at one point, there was one part of me that you know, thought, do I really deserve to win this? You know, am I really the right person to represent Australia? Am I really the right person to, to be an ambassador for specialty coffee? So he helped me sort of work through some of those things that were working against me um, and helped encourage a bit more of a positive mindset and help me deal with some of the stress um, that can be involved in preparing for competition. Um, yeah. Yeah, well, th- I mean, that, that, uh, that hits deep. Yeah, when I hear that, I've got to yeah. say that uh, sort of tickled the heartstrings a bit there, Anthony. I think spending so much time with Anthony as well, um, you know, through the years and plus this campaign, uh, I think you know the <laughs> thing that really stood out to me is Anthony sort of knew himself and he knew where he needed to be in certain situations. He knew when to reach out to Darren and you know um, prepping backstage. You know, he, he knew he knows that he needs to go through his meditation before you know jumping on stage and. Um, I think he just executed that really well as well. So Yeah, very very self-aware. Yeah. Something I wasn't last time competing. Like the my sixth year competing sort of taught me a lot of lessons in in the fact that you've got to take care of yourself, you've got to take care of your health, you've got to take care of yourself mentally, you know. Um we kind of segue into my, yeah, so kind of segue yeah. into my next question. How did yeah. you sort of keep yourself sane? Like, what did you do outside of competition and work? Because yeah. you know, among all this, a lot of this you got to work. And yeah. uh, you know, to add to that point, you know, I'm, I'm sure you got a lot of support from Dave Macon, who yeah. Um, yeah. you know, who who's been on this co- podcast before. Yeah. Uh, but you know, what's his? I'll, I'll I'll put two questions to you. Firstly, what's been the support like? What's the support been like from him and Zoe? Uh, yeah. Obviously, his, his, his wife, who probably doesn't get enough. Uh, you know, credit with regards to the rise of Axel, but um, what's been the support like from them? And then also, what do you, what were you doing to sort of keep yourself uh, without, uh, not not including the mind coach, which we touched on. Mm-hmm. What else did you sort of include uh, do to to keep yourself level? Yeah, well, um, starting with the support, I suppose um, I've always felt a, a, trend, a tremendous amount of support from Dave, Zoe, and the team as well. Um, they've always sort of impressed upon me the fact that there's no no pressure. Whatever the result is, it's fine. You know, I'm not expected to win, um, which is lovely. I, I think I've put the most pressure on myself. Um, yeah, so I've, I've felt nothing but support from the team. You know, they, they invested a lot of hours and a lot of time and energy into helping me when they didn't have to at the end of the day. So, you know, that's all really nice. Um, what was the second question again? Sorry. Uh, what, what, what did you sort of do to keep yourself, you know, in your leisure time? So, yeah. I mean, I think it's important that, you know, uh, one thing I've certainly learned from competitions mm. is that you need to enjoy yourself, you know, in the process, but also outside of the process. So yeah. make sure you're getting the rest time and the, you know, enjoyment out of life. What did you do to keep those factors that get, keep that box ticked? Yeah, good question. Um, I think, yeah, yeah, part of it comes down to just recognising when you do need that time. You know, I had days where I was, I was lazy and I just wanted to sleep in and stay in bed and watch YouTube all day and, you know, and, and there's some days where you just need to sort of accept that and just, just go with it. You know, give yourself that, that time to detach and, and recharge. Um, so, yeah, I certainly had days like that where I just, you know, I'd sleep in and just watch Netflix or, you know, I just treat myself to a filthy HSP one night. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can we just, uh, can we just, can we, who, wants to, who wants to have a stab in the dark at explaining yeah. what a HSP is? Uh, the old halal snack pack. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Chippy, some chippies, uh, a lot of what? Donor meat, gyros meat, 
like topped with mayonnaise, garlic sauce, onions. So garlic, chili, and barbecue is, is, it, oh, is the, they're the three main staple sauces. Yeah, garlic, sweet chili for me, and barbecue. Yeah. Like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I honestly don't think I've ever been able to finish one on my own. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think it's just yeah, you, you need that time every now and then, you know. So I think it's a good idea to recognize that because it's very tempting sometimes. And I, I made the mistake of this in my early years of just pushing and pushing and pushing, and I'd be in the training room till one a.m. achieving nothing, and I'd do it all again the next day, and I'd just sort of burn myself out. You know, so it's sort of understanding that it's okay to have days where you're not feeling it and, you know, you're not, you're not enjoying it and take that time, you know. Like you can call that day a write-off and come back in the next day with the energy and the motivation to, to get back in there and, and do it properly. Also, also potentially, you know, if, if you're lucky to be a competitor who has a partner or a workplace or something, you know, lean on your team a little yep. bit, you know. There's, there's, there's other parts of competition that aren't just coffee making. Yeah. Um, and you know, ask for help. Yeah. Uh, talk about it when you're feeling burnt out. And um, yeah, you know, particularly, I think this is one of those situations where Jack shines the most is when Anthony needed something, he had someone to support him. Um, and you know, I was there sometimes, but particularly, give me, give me some examples of that. Like, you know, I want to, I want the listener to hear some of the examples of that. Well, it was to the point where Jack had a to-do list. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, actually, I had a list with my name on the top. Um, and leading up to the comp, I was very sort of laser focused and I just couldn't, I don't know, I didn't have the mental bandwidth to think about a lot of other things. And I'd be like, Jack, you take care of this for me, take care of that. So he organised like water for the machine and he was picking up things for me from the store and, you know, all sorts of things. I just, I delegated quite a lot to him in the past, in the couple of weeks prior to the comp especially, you know, like... Um, helping develop my visual elements and, you know, sticking things to, to things and all those little bits and pieces that I didn't really want to be spending time focusing on. I, so. I, I think there's a we, – we haven't even made mention, and forgive us, John. Yes, yeah. And um, – Sophie. Uh, Sophie, sorry, uh, my blank, too much wine. <laughs> um, the marketing department as well. So normally during competition, we any visuals we want to do, we have to, like, find someone outside of – coffee or something like a graphic designer to try and design them for us so you're kind of trying to explain a concept and and they, they just don't quite get it you know you know you're just talking to different languages yeah. uh, and and john is a part of coffee himself he has his own company i i do you know the name sorry um it's not coming to me at the moment yeah i'm sorry sorry john <laughs> um, <laughs> cut that in if we find it yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh but like being able to talk on the same and i think he competed once as well yeah. so yeah so it's like being able to t again talk on the same language so like anthony's a very organized person and he puts me to shame as well and it's like one of those things that he's just so good at visuals eh, not so much <laughs> no, don't worry about that yeah, yeah so like <laughs> that's just i think thing. well the, the the good thing you know about working as a team is you know me and matt know anthony really well um and we can tell when he's like you know in his mindset and he knows what he needs to concentrate <laughs> on. So, you know, when he, he needs to focus on something, you know, me and Matt would jump in and we'd try and take care of those things. Just like, just give us that. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll do that. All <laughs> right. Amazing. All right. Yeah. Matt particularly actually helped a lot with the visuals and sort of helped spearhead a lot of the direction um, because uh, he's got his experience as a judge too mm. and, and that he's got that perspective as to what's going to be comfortable for me to read or to look at as a judge and how's that going to translate to this, yeah, to the routine and, yeah. It must have been like, I, I hear that and I think to myself, I, if I put myself in Anthony's shoes, I'd be almost reluctant to rely on Jack that much to do those sorts of things because it's such an important thing. But if you, you know, playing on the theme here, 
trust. Um, you know, you must have put a fair bit of trust in him and obviously you delivered, mate. Well, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> yeah, I, um, oh, backstage with Anthony, you know, he was, you know, trust me to weigh out his ingredients and his milk and everything and, you know, I, backstage, you know, Dave had a word to me before and he's like, Jack, you need to say really calm for Anthony. I'm like, yeah, I can do it, I can do it. So around Anthony, I was super calm and then as soon as he left to go out and meditate, I was, I'd have a, a breakdown. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, like, did I weigh everything? I'd weigh it twice. You know, make sure. Because it's it's kind of surprising for me to hear about you talking about Dave in this way because he's got very exacting standards. He's a high standards guy in everything, not just you know competition. He's a high standards guy. But you're yeah. saying to me, he said to you, oh, "There's no pressure to win," but I know that he would he wanted you to win so bad, uh, and not from a point, of, not from a uh, you know investment sort of lens, but also because he loves you. Uh, and you know what's that relationship like between you and him? Oh, it's great. You know, and I, I've really felt that. Um, yeah, you know, it's it's one of those things that it, it's so hard to find, and it's one of the reasons why I'm still working for Axel. You know, nine years in, and I, I still see a bit more of a future with the company. You know, and uh, yeah, I just I feel very grateful to be surrounded by the people that I am and supported by the people that support me. Yeah, and uh, you know, I think like. I watched for him when the announcements were made. Mm-hmm. Like I went up, I, I was I was screaming when when you won. But I watched for Dave, and he's just like jumping for joy. I don't think I've ever seen. We've him got so. a video of it. it's pretty funny. Yeah. Okay, well, we, I might uh, I might get you to yeah. send that to me if sure. you, if you don't mind, and yeah. we'll post that up. But yeah, um, yeah no, no, um, I need to run it back here to your HSP comment because sure. you and I are no strangers <laughs> to sort of exchanging messages about a bit of junk food. Yeah. And I'm talking about uh, the Macca's hotcakes oh, yeah. days. So yeah. back in the day, I don't know, like Anthony and I were talking before before one competition, I'm like, oh man, sometimes I just love a good Macca's hotcakes. And every yeah. time he'd go get some hotcakes, he'd send me a picture or every time. Yeah. And so it was quite <laughs> frequent really. It's like, you know, it's a miracle we didn't put on so much weight. But uh, how good are Macca's hotcakes? They're pretty good, mate. They're a, they're a rare delicacy for me these mm. days. Okay. Um, yeah, you look, you're actually looking quite trim. I'm trying. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, they are. They are good though. Yeah, Very yeah. tempting. And for uh, if I'm to translate Australian for the overseas listeners, uh, Macca's is McDonald's. So they do some brilliant hotcakes with uh, maple right. syrup yep. here in Australia. So um, are we just are we just plugging fast food on this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you got one to make? Or? Yeah, oh, we well, missed out a KFC. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, Zinger uh, burgers. Just uh, shout out there. Okay. Mine's Domino's. If if it's been a late night in the training room and I'm on my way home, just. What's one it, one what pepperoni and one Hawaiian. Okay, yeah. I'm a bit more of a cream fresh garlic when I go for Domino's. Have you had, have you tried that pizza? Cream fresh. Uh, oh, it's like a garlic cheese, and the, I don't know. What, I don't even know what cream fresh is, but it's a terrific fresh pizza. Cream, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. It's what sorry? Just fresh cream. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Cream well, fresh. I mean, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. I encourage you to try it if you you know when Jack's competing next year. Yeah, We haven't confirmed that, but, uh, you know, I don't Rumors know. Rumours are swirling. Rumours are swirling. <laughs> um, you know, we'll see. Um, well, what's kind of next now? I mean, you're, you're the World Brewster champion. Um, you know, it's it's be, it's not been two weeks. So what's kind of next for you, Anthony? Yeah, we're still sort of navigating um, through all of that, but uh, immediately what we're doing is a, a bit of a roadshow across uh, some parts of Australia. So um, Adelaide, Brisbane, Gold Coast, Sydney. We're going to be doing um, a bit of a coffee tasting, so serving up some El Diviso, mm. a panel with myself, Jack, Matt, um, going through our experience leading up to the competition, competition mm-hmm. itself. Mm-hmm. Um, food and drinks should be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that's that's coming up first. We've got um, I'm heading to Korea in November. Yum sad me da. Yeah. And young to all of our Korean listeners. That's it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to the cafe show there. Um, and yeah, spending another couple of weeks after that with uh, with my girlfriend. Gonna meet the family for the first time. So oh, that's very, that's very exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Imagine that. Yeah. Like walking in and saying, "Hello, I'm the World Barista Champion." Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> it's not a bad first intro. Yeah, I yeah, mean, I'm sure you get the blessing after that. Um, what's my business card? Yeah. What, yeah. What's, <laughs> what's your partner's name? Sue. Sue. All right. So, what part of Korea is Sue from? So she is uh, from Busan. Busan, which uh, is where Momos is from. Momos. So yep. shout out to uh, Gion, a good friend of ours, and Charlie Shu. Charlie too. Yeah. Um, I. I'm lucky enough to have actually travelled to Korea in 2019. So I went to start off in Seoul, yep. uh, then went to Busan. Oh, wait, no, that's a lie. I would start off in Seoul, then went to Jeju Island. Uh, and to anyone that's thinking about going to Korea, I would highly suggest going to Je- Jeju Island, going to the Manganju Lava Caves, climbing Mount Halasan, eating some black pork. Oh, some of the best. I hope you get to do it's it. It's on my list, mate. That black pork as well. I've got to try. Oh, yeah. it's to die for. Yeah. Uh, and then Busan. Uh, yeah, wonderful, wonderful city. Uh, yeah. I stayed at Hyundai Beach. I think it's how, yeah. how you pronounce it. Yeah. Uh, had some wonderful Korean barbecue there. But yeah. also, um, like you mentioned, the coffee scenes there is wonderful. Mama's Coffee, yeah. uh, home of Jun, yeah. um, who's the 2019 World Brewster Champion. Yeah. Uh, um, 2019. 2019. Yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah, I'm getting old now. I can't, can't remember these things. But... Um, COVID had, a, yeah. had, had an effect. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, you'll have a wonderful time there, I'm sure. And, um, you know, I'm, I hope you enjoy your time there. Oh, mate, I'm going to love it. Yeah, it should be a lot of good fun. Mm. Um, yeah, lots of good coffee, lots of good food, and the people are lovely there as well. Got a few friends in the industry there as well too, so it'll be nice to catch up. Yeah, and lo- lots and lots of – there's a place called uh, Centre Coffee in uh, Seoul that I had some really great – been there as well, yeah. yeah, really yeah. Uh, I didn't go there when I was there, but Fritz Coffee comes yeah. in uh, high regard, so – uh, yeah, once again, shout out to all our Korean friends. Any other yeah. travel on the cards? Um, uh, we've had a few a few places um, that have sort of spoke about, you know, us travelling there. Um, it's still, nothing's confirmed yet, though, so I won't say anything right now. But w- one thing I said in take one yep. uh, that uh, I want to make another mention of here is that I love to see, like, an actual concept store somewhere in Melbourne where you've obviously got a World Brewster Champion roaster here in Matt Crowley um, and I'd love to s- and I know you guys have always got sort of more coffee stashed away than you kind of offer on your lists that are you know to be honest quite crazy I'd love to see you make a concept store like that uh, whether that happens or not I don't know Dave Macon see what you can do you know uh, I think one of the biggest problems we always have is it's like we don't we can't serve it in every store you know so it's like we serve it in one store and then some of the baristas in the other store are like oh how come we didn't get any and you know, there's like not always enough coffee to go around when you have so many sites. Yeah, so I don't know if it's going to be a concept store, but we'd have, we're definitely going to work on our reserve coffee program and trying to make sure that we get get some of that special coffee around to the stores and make it a little more accessible and figure out the logistics surrounding that as well. Mm. Yeah, yeah. well, I mean, uh, this, uh, this is an area I like to get involved in every now and then. I can tell you it's very worthwhile, very fulfilling, and... Um, a lot more achievable than people think. So yeah. just requires a bit of creativity and can-do attitude, and you'll be right. Love to get your advice on it, then, mate. Oh, mate, mate, I'm just a I'm just a podcaster and milkman now. So <laughs> <laughs> keep keep a little bit there. But what's next for uh, the the world 
championship roaster and coach, starting with coach Jack Simpson. What's uh, what? Do you, what do you got on the horizon? For yeah, Cole? good question. I think yeah. we've just been so competition focused the last you know five months. It's sort mm. of hard to think past that. But yeah, like Anthony touched on before, we've got a road show coming up, so that's going to be a lot of fun. You know, uh, yeah, road tripping with the Axel gang. So yeah. looking forward to that. Did I hear um, a uh, potential Byron trip is on the cards? Uh, what trip? Sorry, uh, Byron trip. Oh, Byron uh, Bay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe in the middle of the uh, of the what is it? The East Coast tour. We're gonna. I think we're gonna start in Brisbane. See if we can sneak it yeah, in. Yeah, and then make our way down awesome. towards Sydney. And yeah, well, I mean, you can go get your chakras aligned in Byron yeah, Bay. Yeah, yeah. It's known for those sorts of things. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't know. We'll see what happens. We'll see. Hope we'll you see. get there. Um, we'll start like oh, like getting getting back to Origin and things like that as well. It's been been a little while that we've, uh, you know, obviously with the big old. C word, so we haven't been able to travel as much and things like that. So realign with some of our um, our direct trade relationships and hopefully build some new ones. And I don't know, someone might get their first origin trip. Oh, <laughs> Jack Simpson, guilty. Ding 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 ding. Um, no, I, that's something I'm really excited to do again as well. I mean, uh, I'm uh, I'm I'm hoping I can compete again next year, and I really want to. One person I met at the Sub Zero Coffee Pop Up, which happened the day after. Uh, your world's victory was Kai Jansen. Uh, now, I am a massive fan of Kai Jansen and his coffee, Finger Jansen. Um, and it was kind of funny. It was this surreal moment where he's, uh, we were getting absolutely pumped. And he goes, hey, man, uh, and I hope I'm not butchering his accent. He's like, hey, dude, uh, do you mind if I brew some coffee? And I was like, yeah, dude, you're Kai Jansen. Do whatever the hell you want. So is there going to be any Finger Jansen among that uh, the reserve offering? Oh, well, maybe I mean, you could put us in contact. Oh, yeah, well, I mean, uh, uh, yeah, me and him are, like, so close now, <laughs> so. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, it's uh, well worth the investment. He's uh, got some terrific coffee. And, I, and you know what? I haven't had enough of his coffee roasted for espresso. You always get it for filter, but I haven't had enough of his coffee roasted for espresso, so I'd really like to see that. Like yeah, I've only ever had it for filter. Mm. When it comes down to it, like, we're, uh, we have our longstanding relationships we've had for... What is it, 11 years now for Axel? Um, and and then we've had some coffees come and go in between, but we're always open to um, amazing coffees and just anything we can share. And, you know, there's, you know, always room for growth. Um, so, you know, if you want to reach out, reach out. Mm. Um, and we just, yeah, look forward to sharing as much as we can. Yeah. Anything to add to that, Jack? Yeah, well, I guess, like, to your previous point, like, we obviously love competition as a company as well, so hopefully we're still involved with that. You know, Matt judging and hopefully Anthony Anthony coaching me. We'll see. Oh, all <laughs> right, all right. We really do have the scoop here. But, yeah, well, you heard it here first. Mm-hmm. Well, well Barista Champion polishing spoons. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll be at the back, you know, polishing the dishes diligently. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jack will be saying, weigh this, weigh that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, um, Guys, it's been absolutely wonderful to have you. I'm going to go around the table now asking for your concluding remarks, starting with Crowley. Uh, what would you like to say to, to the team at Axel, anyone else, and to the Sub-Zero Coffee podcast listeners in conclusion? Um, well, to the Sub-Zero podcast listeners first, thank you for having us. Um, it's been a lot of fun, my first podcast ever. Might even listen to it. Oh, uh, Okay. <laughs> Uh, the one uh, thing I would say is like thank you to the team at Axel for one giving us the opportunity. It's like not every not every workplace gives you the opportunity to, you know, dig your claws into something you not only enjoy that doesn't necessarily have a, you know, presence on the balance sheet all the time. So it's 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 really awesome to be a part of that. Um, and to all the future competitors out there, you're probably always going to 
get the question, oh, what do I do first? It's like, one, you just got to start somewhere and read the rules and, you know, and you, it's just growth from there. So if you want to give it a go, give it a go because there's no time like the present. Okay, right. Well said. Well said. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, first for me, like the listeners, yeah, thanks for listening. And, uh, yeah, I, you know, it's amazing to be part of this coffee community and, um, you know, things that everyone's doing like you in the podcast. So it's a pleasure to be a part of. Um, and yeah, and then I, I think next is, um, you know, thanks to the Axel team and um, I just feel so privileged to be in this position, you know, to help Anthony out and, and be part of the Axel team and, um, you know, I've enjoyed these last five months of competition so much and, um, yeah, I couldn't have asked for you know, better people to do it with, you know, um, but an amazing opportunity. All right, over to the big fella himself. Jeez, I've got a bit to top now. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, massive thanks to Axel and, you know, I'm, I'm super proud to be working with the company. I've been with the guys for nine years and, I'm, as I mentioned before, I see a few more years coming. So, yeah, very proud of what, what, what we do and I'm, I'm really excited to now have a bit more of a platform to showcase a bit more of Axel and what we do, hopefully internationally and a little bit more here in Australia as well. Um, yep, thanks for having us as well as Sub-Zero Podcast, you know. Um, and, yeah, similar to Matt's point as well, you know, there's no time like the present. If you want to compete, just go for it. Start. You know, learn the rules. You know, focus on your on your technique and making good coffee. Um, don't be intimidated intimidated by the fact that you know, you might not have the support of a massive company behind you. That that's fine. You know, um, you can get very far just making good quality coffee. Um, seeking input from the right individuals. There's plenty of people out there willing to help. So just reach out for help um, and get into it. Yeah, and uh, uh, very well said. And uh, you know what? I'm very glad that um, I waited because I actually asked you to come on the podcast like before nationals, and I was like, you know what? Let's just let's just wait a bit. Um, and which is which is an approach Matt Winton and I took uh, slightly before he won the World Brewers Cup, and then yep. you know it, it worked out well. Nice. But um, you know, uh, I guess I'd like to say some concluding remarks as well. It's been amazing to uh, to watch your journey from you know working with you all those years ago. Uh, to sort of uh, seeing some of the hardships you went through. I mean, you, you played it cool, but I think, you know, you definitely you definitely picked yourself up uh, after some of those competition, I won't call them defeats, but not wins. Um, and uh, it's, and you know, credit to the Axel team, to, to you, uh, to Dave, to Zoe, to, to Jack and to Matt, um, you know, congratulations on uh, years and years of hard work that have finally paid off to a victory. So... Um, you know, hats off to you, mate. Cheers, mate. Uh, can I get like all of your assistance on three to say stay cool? Because we, we usually sign off by saying stay cool, so I'm yeah. like, I'll, I'll count down and then we'll do it. So, as always, everyone, stay, stay cool. cool.